Hey friend, we just wanted to pop over and remind you of all of the freebies that we have on our website at hustlehumblypodcast.com slash resources. There are quite a few on there. They work for buyers and sellers, for your business, all different things you might need and all for free. Mm -hmm. Alyssa, which one is your favorite? My favorite freebie is the due diligence checklist. Oh, that's a good one and Mm -hmm. so impactful for your buyers. Mm -hmm. It's a great email template. It's a really good one. Uh, My favorite is probably staging checklist. Mm -hmm. I want my sellers to have those houses looking good. Yes, yes. So head over and see which ones you would like to download or get them all. Enjoy. But I think when you have the confidence to tell them the tough news, Mm -hmm. they want you more. Hi, y'all. Welcome to Hustle Humbly. It's Alyssa and Katie, and we are two top producing realtors in the Baton Rouge market. We work for two different companies where we should be competitors, but we have chosen community over competition. The goal of our podcast is to encourage you to find your own way in business. So stop comparing yourself and start embracing your strengths. We are ready. Yay. Hello, all. It's Katie, and it is episode 62. And Alyssa. And today, we are making the transition from buyers to sellers. Got it. (laughs) Alyssa does not have notes or brain thoughts, but she is going to join me in a conversation. I think my thoughts are just that we both do both. We both do both. And I know, and I'm leaning over because I'm going to get my... my, uh, my stats. Okay. Okay. Because it might help. Yes. Okay. It would definitely help. Would you say that you are currently, all right, you're in year nine. nine. And are you currently evenly mixed? I'm probably a little bit more listing. So I'm probably at 55% listing. Okay. I like that's I very have, specific. I have just crossed over. Love it. To being a little bit more listing heavy. Okay. And tell me this. When did you... How long did you spend as pretty much just working buyers? Do you feel like there was a time frame? Not at all. I feel like I always had a decent mixture. Okay. Like I was never buyer only. Okay. Right. Well, yeah, me neither. Yeah. But but there are agents out there that are buyer, buyer only. only. So yeah. I don't want our listeners to think that I never was. I was always both. Both. But obviously when I was new, so when I started real estate, I was 21. Yeah. But I looked like I was like 14. Right. <laughs> and so listings were hard to come by. Hard to really and I was not sell exactly yourself. yeah, I wasn't exactly rocking the listing yeah. interviews either because no doubt. Like not only was I new, but I didn't have any numbers to okay. support myself. Yeah. So um as so I was just buyer heavy. Yeah, buyers. All mm-hmm. you know, mostly buyers. Yeah. I had the occasional friend that would trust me to list their house right. or random phone duty referral. So, someone who <laughs> felt like they had to use you. Yes. Or someone who knew knew no better. Didn't know. And, okay. You know, I just got That's them fair. from phone duty or something like a lot of my early listings came from phone duty. That makes sense to me. Yeah. They were calling because they didn't know who to call and they so got they're me. just like, fine. You <laughs> yeah. sound good. Let's go. Right. And then it went well. And then Perfect. I got, re- and it's just like the snowball effect from there. Uh, agree. <laughs> okay. I'm just looking at my numbers. My first year I had four listings. Okay. And like you know, 14 to 15 buyers. So okay. for sure, hugely skewed yes. to buyer, right? Yes. That's about what mine was. I, and now, even now, I believe it is like a 50-50-ish. Okay. Um, it was... 47% sellers and 53% buyers last year. Perfect. So 
I'm a 50, 50. Yeah. There have been some years in the last five years where I've had maybe a scotch more sellers, but I think it's pretty much a, a split. Yeah. It seems pretty well split. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think that in the beginning, uh, I was obviously very buyer heavy for a good five to seven years. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, if you had asked me, I would say, oh, I don't, I don't want to be a listing agent. Like that sounds like a lot of pressure and stress and I'm not prepared for that. And I don't know like the ins and outs of how to handle that. And I would have just been like, buyers are easy. The, this is what's on the market. This is what you can do. I can tell you how to do that. Good. Done. And buyers are generally a happier atmosphere. Yeah, way way <laughs> less stress. They're excited to be buying. They don't. And yeah, lucky. they they want to pack their things and move. I know. I tell my sellers, I'm like, being a seller is no fun. And I tell them it's also work. Mm-hmm. Like this isn't. You're not. You're not just. It's not a walk in the park, right? But you know, moving is work. Whether you're a buyer or a seller, I just think buyers are not focused on that, and sellers are like, oh man, mm-hmm. like how am I going to handle this? I'm not selling this. The point of this episode to me is to help give the confidence to the people who say, I'm only a buyer's agent. I never want to work with sellers. It's too hard. I don't know what to do, and um, I'm just going to stick with my buyers and be done. Okay. And I have reasons why that we'll get to later. But I think that there's a definite difference between obviously the buying process and mm-hmm. being a buyer's agent and the listing process and being a listing agent. Correct. What very would, different. Do you have a preference? It, it really depends on my mood right. and what I have going on in life. Yeah. Um, my buyers, like I said, they, they make me happy. Yeah. They, it, you know, it's fun to go through the process. They trust you. They want your help and your opinion. Sellers is more of a stressful environment. Sometimes yeah. I have trouble not carrying their stress as my own. Yes. Um, but it's also like a puzzle that I like to try to figure out. Yeah. And I love helping them get their house ready yes. and advising them yes. and the things that go along with that. Um, so even though buyers, I think, are more time consuming because you're house hunting. Right. Sellers are time consuming in your brain space. I mean, you're just I think always, that's fair. you're, you're more worried. stressed, yeah. worried, you know, you really have to learn to be mentally tough. It takes practice because there's a fine line in like not caring about them. Yes. And then also, but setting boundaries yeah. to where you're not taking on things that aren't your, your concern. Yeah. You know, agree. Um, I will tell you what I think are some of the positives of being a listing agent. I like both. Me too. I like them both. I obviously do them split. (laughs) So I'm fine. I think I would get burnt out on one or the other. Like they complement each other. So I enjoy the mixture. Well, I also think that you get to see a window into the market and the mindset of both sides. And that helps you to better facilitate both sides. Right. Like I can better help my buyers make decisions based on what I've heard sellers say. Mm -hmm. And I can better help my sellers make decisions based on what buyers say. If I had never been a buyer's agent and I just jumped in and all I ever did were listings and my sellers asked, well, do I need to change that carpet? Or do I need to move this furniture? Or do I need to paint that room? If I'd never been with a buyer on a showing and heard their comments, mm-hmm. I really wouldn't have any point of reference for what buyers are looking at. I say this, I have found I say this a lot when I'm with a seller. I'll say, I know that you think that some of these suggestions may sound crazy, 
but I work with so many buyers that I just know what they say. Yes, I know and what that's they where see. I'm coming from. Yes, right. And then they go, oh, okay. Right, if you have, right, if you have the knowledge of both, and what I think is nice about start, because most people in their career start with more buyers, right? Yeah. It, depending on your age and your sphere and what's going on, buyers are just an easier thing to pick up, an easier transition. I don't know why that is. I mean, mm -hmm. maybe it's just because you're going to be more confident in the buyers in the beginning. Yeah, I but think so. it's a pretty cut and dry your price range is 200. Here are the houses in the area you want to live in for that price. Let us go see them. We'll decide and move on. I also think that buyers are not paying us out of pocket anything. That's true. Sellers so, are about to spend a lot of money to actually hire yeah, someone. Yeah. So I think it's more important to them that they are asking the right questions. How I think long that's have you fair. been doing this? Are you full-time? They want to know what they're about to pay for. For sure. So as a buyer's agent, I think that that's that time period when you're focused on that and doing all the showings and being with the buyers, that's when you're building market knowledge. Mm -hmm. That's when you're learning about what do buyers look for in this neighborhood or what do they look for in a house of this age or this size or whatever. And that's all the information and the knowledge that you're going to take and use when you move into sellers. But you, you have to realize that you have gained knowledge, even mm -hmm. though you may have about like, I don't know anything about listings. Every time you take a buyer out, you're learning about the market. Yes. You're on the MLS. And you're inside listings. Yeah. You're, you're actually seeing, seeing what's happening. Like, I think it would be tough to be just a listing agent, no matter where you were in your career, because you wouldn't have any knowledge of what else was going on in the market if you're never showing anyone anything. Right. Okay. All right. So that makes sense to me. Now, building market knowledge should be your number one priority in the beginning. Yes. Okay. Once you've got the market knowledge, I feel like you should be able to make that transition into sellers. And here's why I think you want to. And what I would have told myself year three or four or five when I still was afraid. When you work with sellers, your schedule shifts. Mm -hmm. You are talking about a more business hours focused business. Mm -hmm. I rarely go on a listing appointment outside of business hours. Right. I just, yeah. it, I don't, it doesn't even come up, but I could, but, and some agents set their business hours 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. And that way they have some pre-work hours that you could do, or some people set them nine to six or, you know, whatever. Um, but I just find that you're in business hours. Then not only there's, like you just said earlier, there's less of a time commitment. Mm -hmm. I mean, buyers need to see a lot of houses. It just takes more time. It does. With a seller, I only have to see the one house mm -hmm. and give them the work. And then everything else, again, happening during business hours. Do I need to do marketing? Do I need to make phone calls to agents? Do I need to get feedback? None of that has to happen after five or on the weekend. No. The only it should no, it shouldn't, right? It should it not shouldn't. happen. <laughs> the only seller activity you need to be doing outside of business hours is an open house. Right. I mean, other than that, and if you get a sign call that you want to do a showing, but technically then you're working a buyer. This is not the same thing. No. So I think that you shift into business hours. You have le less of a time commitment. So you could, in fact, take on more listings than you could physically handle buyers. I mean, mm -hmm. You can just handle more. Um, and then the beauty of the listing is that you generate more business. And this is that old school, remember, like the Rainmaker? Yes. I love and appreciate what that is, even though I don't find in the current real estate culture it to be as 
I guess, normal as it was back then. Like now when you have a team, they do it all different ways. But back in the day, real estate teams had a rainmaker. Right. There was a listing agent and that agent just took listings. And then all of the agents on the team only had buyers. Yes. If they had a listing lead, the rainmaker took the listing and all of the buyer's agents were doing all of the showings and the whatever. Um, but what's great about taking listings is the reason why you're called a rainmaker is people call the sign. Yeah. I, I know it's 2020 and you may not want to believe me, but people do. They do call the call sign. Signs. They call the sign. <laughs> they, they will call the sign. Maybe they'll text the number, but yep. they're going to call. Um, so you can pick I up get a lot of sign calls. It's not unusual. Mm -mm. I close a few of them every year. Yeah. So you can pick up new buyers off of the sign calls. You could even hopefully sell your very own listing. But at the very least, you've got a new buyer. I used to be dual agent quite a bit. Really? Because of sign calls. Mm -hmm. I have since, you know, as I have gotten busier, will refer my sign calls to, yeah. agent, uh, you know, new agents that have helped me or right. whatever. Um, so it doesn't happen as much. Yeah. But I have one right now that's pending from a sign call. Yeah. So I mean, they still happen. It, yeah. For sure, they still happen. happen. I think the other way you're generating business when you have a listing is geo farming. So if you've got a sign in the yard, well, very yes. first of all, that's marketing. Yes. Your sign is in the yard. The neighbors see the sign. You could also take it to the next level and send a postcard to the neighbors. Just listed, just pending, just sold, whatever you want to do. But it's very easy to geo farm when you have a listing. Yeah. My third thing on this, on generating new business is you get to share your listings on social media as look at my new listing. Right. Here's all the stats. Look at me. I've, you know, come see it or uh, here's the video or whatever. Your sphere then gets to see you working in a professional capacity in your career. Yes. As a listing agent. I just feel like that is going to be like, oh, look at her. She sells houses look at this. too. This chick is selling some houses. And right. look how great the photos look. These lovely professional photos. Mm -hmm. So I think you're generating business. You're getting some time back and then you're working within your business hours. So if I would have told myself that in year four or five, I would have been like, oh, oh, wow. I see what you're saying there. Yes. I like the sound of that. But now let's go back to mindset because I think there are mindset blocks to there make are. it to making yes. that transition, right? What do you think some of them are or what have you heard agents say or what was yours? I actually last year had a random phone call from an agent and she said, I was wondering if I, I, I don't know you, but... <laughs> I was wondering if I could, I just joined a team and I'm a new buyer's agent and they told me to look up MLS by buyer's agent and see and talk to agents that have worked that are buyer's agents also. Okay. And so I just wanted to pick your brain about being a buyer's agent. And I said, well, I'm not a buyer's agent. And she was like, well, you had like, you know, 45 buyer closings last year. Right. I said, yeah, but I do listings also, but she, she didn't know she that. She only looked up the one side. Yeah. She only looked up the one side. So she was like, what? And I was like, yeah, I do. I do both. And she was like, <laughs> wait, she's like, that's an option. Okay. Yeah. She never even really thought about thought it. Of, she's a new agent, jumped right into a team. They told her what was they what? They told her what she was. And so she was learning to be that. And we ended up, I don't, I don't know who she was. Oh, you can't, <laughs> hey, if you are that agent, <laughs> I'm just curious how you're doing. Please shoot us a message. But she said that, um, you know, she just doesn't think she could, she was told that she's too new to be a listing okay, agent right, right now. And, 
you know, you, this is just what you do and this is the way and you have to start. And I, I mean, I see where they're coming from, but it's not the only, the, right. Like my first year I had like, I had four. Yeah. I had, you know, five or six listings. I think that's okay. I think it is wise to do more buyers for mm-hmm. a couple of years, but quite honestly, once you've done 15 to 20 buyer sides, I think it's okay to take on some listings. Yeah. Like it's, it's just not. Yeah. But with her, it was, it was more just like starting on a team, right? Where you're assigned that role. Well, yes. So yes. that's one reason I think people have trouble making the transition. I, yes. And I think sometimes once you're in that role in a team environment, yes, it's hard to change your mindset. Well, you can't also, maybe the team is structured like the old school way where mm-hmm. list the top agent, the team leader is doing the listings and you don't take listings. And if you get a listing lead, it goes to them. And it is hard to really break out of that. It is. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think that ultimately it is a confidence issue. Yes. And you're like, well, I don't know what to do. So I'm not going to do anything. And this is again, a systems issue. If you have a seller system, then you can take listings. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you've got it all figured out with your templates and your listing presentation, if you're going to do one or whatever your options are. As long as you know what your system is and you're comfortable and confident with it, mm-hmm. you can take listings. Right. I don't care what your system is, but if you have one, you have to be able to, oh, this is another thing. You have got to be able to interpret data. Yes. If you're not in a place yet where you can do a CMA comfortably, but of course, in order to represent buyers, you surely should be able to do a CMA comfortably. That's why it's like, All the skills are needed for both sides. Both, both. But if you can't interpret data, this is what this means and explain it to a seller, then yeah, it's going to be really tricky. But you should have been having the same conversations with the buyers Mm -hmm. when you told them how to make an offer. Right. It is pretty much the same thing. And you're looking at the data to tell your seller, this is where you should list. This Mm -hmm. is what you should expect to sell for. This is how much closing costs you should expect to pay based on the data. You're not making this stuff up. Right. You're using information that's based on I, their I, location. A, this is not my opinion. Uh-huh. This is just the market data. And yeah. I'm here to show you the reality of the numbers. Yeah. Sometimes they're pleasantly surprised. And right. Sometimes they're disappointed. I, right. But my job isn't to come here to please or disappoint you. Yeah. It is simply to tell you what the market is doing and give you a range that you can look at. Yeah. I feel like as a listing agent, you really have to take your job extra serious because you are advising people financially yeah. on the biggest investment that they've ever had. Yeah, right. You don't want to super underprice it and no. leave money on the table, but you don't want to promise them unrealistic expectations. And that's how they base their budget on their new house you that will, they're going to buy. That's how they based their opinion on who they were going to hire to list as well. Yes. Oh, well... New agent Susie said I could sell my house for 400000 and old agent, you know, whatever, said three fifty. Well, so, I want to list it for 400 No joke. Last year, I went on a listing interview, mm-hmm. and I thought I had got, like, I didn't even know they were interviewing others. Okay. Because they, it was not how the interview went. They okay. were very much like, when can you get pictures yeah. done? And I said, well, when can you do this to-do list? Right. And we were in communication and I suggested a price of 460 and um, she seemed a little disappointed, but understanding about it. 
And then I called her to check on her progress. And she said, we're going to list with another agent. I was kind of disappointed, but also felt like I had somewhat dodged a bullet. Yeah. So I see the listing come live okay. with somebody else. And it's listed at 525 Whoa. And I was like, wow, oh. that is high. And then I just knew, I, well, you know. It wasn't. But I did watch it because I like to know, like, I want to learn. Was I right? Was I wrong? Right. So did it sell? So it expired. Mm -hmm. And the last list price was 450 So lower than what you had lower recommended. Lower than what I had recommended. And um, it expired. So then three weeks later, they called me. Oh, gosh. To come look at it again. Uh-huh. Well, it's been vacant this whole time. Uh-huh. And it's in much worse condition than it was when I came to look at it a year ago. Yeah. So I'm listing it in two weeks for 425. Wow. But they it, missed the market. They missed it. They, they missed, missed the it. market. They the house has declined because no one's living in yeah. it. And you know, it was a really good agent that they used too. I don't think it was but I just think that if you would have started at a different place well, and treated it differently. Right. And I think that learning what it even means to miss the market is mm -hmm. something that happens over time as you have listings and you see like pricing and follow neighborhoods. But when you say miss the market, if you price it too high, no one is going to take notice of that listing because they're not buyers are savvy enough to know what goes on in a neighborhood. Mm -hmm. If you that was 75000 $65,000 yeah. high. Right. Higher than you recommended. Right. So they're not going to look. They're just mm -hmm. not even going to look. And then they're going to see it go down in price and they're going to wait it out. And then guess what? Some buyers will wait it out forever until it's literally off the market. Now it's four twenty-five, dollars $100,000. Oh my gosh. But you had to go back and tell them, did you have to tell them to make any changes to listing? So you know, it's funny. They actually called me this morning and they were like, when is the pictures happening? I said, I, here's the thing with the, being a listing agent. This is something that I have learned through confidence and doing. I told them, until you do what I said, I can't. There do it. are no pictures. And what did they say? Okay, we're working on it. Then blah, just blah, get blah. it done. They do, but they are fighting me on it. But I'm not <laughs> budging. Don't budge. And you know what? If yeah. you want to hire somebody else, do it. Fine. Well, you've already tried that do once. It. Yeah, <laughs> you've already tried that one time. But I think that you know, yes, it's about the client, and you know, they have employed us, but. We are the professional. And until you have the confidence to tell people the truth. Yeah. And that just comes with time. But you have to be stern. And yeah. You have to be like, I'm not compromising. Just yeah. like when you're a buyer's agent and you say, I am not showing you houses if you will not go get pre-approved. Yeah. As the listing agent, we are not listing your house if you are not going to do what I tell you to right. do. Right. It's just not ready. Yes. And maybe that means we're not a good fit. And maybe it means that that buyer calls a different agent that will just show them houses all day right. long. And maybe it means that that seller will list with somebody else. Yeah. But that means for me is that I can sleep good at night mm -hmm. knowing that I haven't lost anything. No. I didn't waste my time. No. I, I'm at peace with whatever happens. I like happens. the way that you just said that. And that is a total mindset thing. You are really, everyone knows you don't get paid until the transaction closes. Right. So people are okay with working Working, working, working on a with a pre non-pre-approved buyer or working, working, working on a listing that the seller didn't get ready and so it's impossible to sell, but you won't get paid until it closes. Right. So you might as well say no up front, save your time yes. and your headache. Right. 
because you can't make the money with a non-pre-approved buyer and you can't make the money with a seller that wouldn't get the house ready and price it right. That's like, I just had my first luxury listing. Yeah. I've never had like a million dollar right. listing. And I had the interview scheduled. I saw it had been listed before with another agent for like 1.699. And when I ran comps, I was thinking to myself, this, I can't justify anything over like 1.4. Right. And that's a two, $300,000 price reduction. Yeah. And my husband, when I was leaving, was like, are you so excited that you're actually going on like an interview for this million dollar home? Like you, this isn't what, and I was thinking, no, 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 <laughs> no I've got, I'm not actually I've got really bad news. I have really bad news for them. And I think they're going to fire me before they hire me. I, right. don't, I don't think I'm going to be the agent for them. And I was very honest in the listing interview. Yeah. I said, this is where I'm at. And again, this isn't my opinion. Right. If these are the only comps and I went back two years. Yeah. And this is the best I could find. Yeah. And this is where I'm at. And I understand if you need to interview other agents. Right. But I think when you have the confidence to tell them the tough news, mm -hmm. they want you more. Hello, friends. We are so excited that so many of you are using the template course and the reviews are just pouring in, letting us know that it has helped your business as much as it has helped our business. Yes. Listen to this review. Thank you so much for providing this wealth of information, knowledge, and template form. So far, I've used a handful and received positive feedback like, this is so professional, or I really appreciate how organized you are. I mean, can you imagine? Yeah, Your clients are actually going to say that. Yes. All right, here's another one. Thank you so much for this. I can't tell you how many times I've started this and how many notebooks of samples and notes I had. <laughs> I have ADHD and it is super hard to stay focused on getting it done. Having it all in one place is going to make it so nice. That is what we're here for. I know. Just look, you don't need to reinvent the wheel. Just yeah. use these. Yeah. Nice and simple, easy, ready to go, ready for you to put your own logo on, make it sound like you. So head over to hustlehumblypodcast.com slash course slash course and check it out that's right and you're gonna enjoy them you're gonna love them you're gonna it's love gonna it. change your life literally fired my <laughs> assistant they are the best okay, enjoy bye, the template yes enjoy okay yes this is also my thing with sellers you just they just want the truth i think we get so in our head and worried about delivering bad news or not what we think they want to hear all they really want to know is the truth backed with data Yes. Here is the truth. Here is the data. I'm right. not just giving you my opinion. Here is the report in black and white that shows you what I'm saying. So here's the truth. Here is the data. And I'm always prepared to say, maybe now's not a good time to list. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe if you have to sell it for more and that's not what your value is, then now is not a good time to list. Mm -hmm. And then I think it puts them at ease in a way that they're like, no, I really want to move. Mm -hmm. Or maybe I don't. Right. Maybe I will wait the year or two years or whatever. I'm like, it's fine with me. I'm not going anywhere. I don't need to take your listing today. But I have to prepare you financially. Uh, right. Like if you're taking a hit, yeah. you need to know that up oh, front. I know. You know. Right. Okay. The other thing that I think is important about being a listing agent that's different than a buyer's agent, like you said before, buyer's agents are being paid or not being paid from the buyer, right? Right. So the buyer's agent is never really having to justify their commission. Sure. They're just like, hey, I'm here. You can I'm have me. you. We Why have a not? great relationship. Look at us. It's free. It's <laughs> yeah. free. I'm free to you. Free. Well, if you're going to have to, when you're a listing agent, you're going to have to be able to speak to your value because yes. the seller's going to look at you and be like, how much? Mm -hmm. Well, what am I getting? And mm -hmm. then you have to have your list of what that is. What And y'all, 
sometimes I think we don't think all those little things you do mean anything, but it all adds up to time and knowledge and the thing the seller cannot do themselves. Right. So here's a great, a great way to figure this out. I'm sure you've all known a for sale by owner that was a friend or a relative, or maybe just someone you met on the street. And they said, hey, can I ask you a question? And then they, a few days later, want to ask you another question. Right. And then a few days later, they need to ask you another question. And then they want to ask you another question. And I'm going to tell you why. It's because they don't actually know how to sell their house. Right. Because they are not a professional. Yes. They are a owner. I had a friend like two days ago. <laughs> Did they ask you a question? Email me. <laughs> and said, the way they, they worded it kind of made me laugh. But it said, uh, Hey, Alyssa, if we list our house on Zillow, are you able to show it? And I said, you mean be for sale by owner. Right. Like, like what are you, you trying to get around to, the bush? What are you, you trying to get me. at here? And I just said, I am sure I could show it if you are allowing realtors right. into your home. And I just explained to her, you know, when I'm working with buyers, I set up a search in our MLS. And that's, and you're not going to be in it. And you're not going to be in it. So you know, unless I have to exhaust my efforts and like, we can't find what they're looking for right. or whatever, whatever. But otherwise, yeah, probably not. You know, it's going to happen and we'll do a whole episode one day on for sale by owner. But in another week, she's going to be like, okay, well, we got on the market, but we haven't had a showing or we had a showing right. they asked us this or there's, but my point here for the list, for this purpose is all of those things that for sale by owners ask you, that is your value. Right. When you have to speak to your value, well, I know how to do all these things. Mm -hmm. I know how very easily to answer to you that in about 10 showings, you should expect an offer. Right. If you don't have an offer by showing number 10, something's not right with your house. Right. If you don't have any showings two weeks in and it's a decent market, then something's wrong with your price. Like I can answer and speak to all of these things because I have specialized knowledge. Right. And I think where realtors fall down on this job is mm -hmm. identifying their value is in their specialized knowledge. And they think that they're not worth what they get paid. And they, they listen to the hype of the discount broker operation or all of that nonsense. There are, I have come across several agents just since I've been in real estate that are trying to win over the for sale by owner to get the listing. Yeah. But they're doing it by like doing joint open houses with them and yes. helping them market their home and offering them free services. Like, and, oh, I, that's what I get paid for. I know. And I'm thinking, does that ever pan why out? They, no. <laughs> Wait, Not, it doesn't even work. It doesn't work. <gasps> Shut up. And you just worked for free. Yes. I hope they got some buyers out of it. I don't know. I mean, mm -mm. I, I, I haven't heard success stories and I follow up with a few of them. And you do? one of them is just like really hardcore about about it and with you know even asking the owners if they can host the open house for them as if it was a listing yeah just things that don't make any sense to me <laughs> at all and um i wish that you could all see Alyssa right now as she rubs her brow like it doesn't make any sense why would they ever pay you if you're doing it for free Thank you. Why buy the cow when and you can get the milk for free? Yes, exactly. And some of the answers were, well, eventually they might sell their house on their own and then they could use me as a buyer. 
cool. But are they going to? Have they told you that? But and... also, you did not present that you valued yourself because right. you gave it away for free. So whether or not they saw what you do as a valuable task, they saw you saying, I will do it for free. Right. Why would I pay you? I don't, I don't need to. And that's the point. Not only do you need to have value, you need to know how to speak to your value. Mm -hmm. What exactly are you doing and why is that valuable to your seller? And my ultimate point in this whole episode, though, is anyone can do this. Mm -hmm. Anyone can, whether you're in it a year or five years or 10 years, anyone can be an effective listing agent and speak to their value. And if you're not comfortable with that, and we've talked before that we're not like scripty people, then put it in a PDF document with a list, share mm -hmm. it to them in an email. You don't have to show up with an elevator pitch every time. No. I think you can just say, these are the tasks that I do as a listing agent. Here they are. Do you need help with these things? Great. If not, buy. I'm not going to do it at a discount either, because why should you get a discount when everyone else that I did this for paid the whatever the standard price was? Mm -hmm. it, no sense at all. Right. Okay. Um, I think that we've talked about giving sellers advice. And my, this is why I love listings now that I didn't know is why I would love listings. And you and I agree. I love to see the house, tell them how to fix it, how to prepare. I love seeing them do the work and for it to pay off. I loved it to sh when it shows well. And I love being able to show up on pictures and be like, oh my God, you did it all. And I'm so proud. Like, I'm literally proud. Yes. I'm like, you're like my little good students and I'm so proud of you. You did what I told you and now it's going to pay off for you right? and me because now we can sell the house. Yeah. But I just love, I love them watching their house transform. I love when they say, oh my God, I didn't even know it could be like this because, you know, people live in their home mm -hmm. until they're ready to sell the little projects and the messy closets and the you know, little maintenance nitpicky status, they're living with it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter in your life. But when you go to sell, you can't have clothes all over the floor in your, you know, And you need a closet. realtor that can just tell you like, hey, this artwork is a little strange a little or loud. offensive <laughs> right. or this needs to be moved yes. or, you know, it is hard, especially when it, mm -hmm. it's funny because I have some friends that are moving and um, I had mentioned something about, I hadn't gone to the house yet, but she said, you know, what do we need to do? So I sent her my- The pre-list. The pre-list okay. that has the checklist in it. But she texted me a picture and mm -hmm. said, well, what do you think about the paint color? And I said, it's really dark. Yeah. And, um, but by the end of it, she was like, when you, when you would come over to our house for like New Year's Eve and dinner, did you like think all these things? And I was like, no, no. <laughs> because your house can be whatever you want it yeah, to be. I was never, I never, when I go to people's houses that aren't selling. Well, it's a representation of them and their style. Yes. That's okay. I find it interesting yes. to see like the things that make you unique. Oh my gosh, I don't, home. right. I don't want them all to look the same in in but practice. when I'm trying to sell it, right, that guy, I, it has to be neutral. And yes, you have I to don't want to see you in your house at all. No, I know. <laughs> and oh, I've had sellers who were so mad about me making them paint. Yes. And then they were living in it. And this one seller said, Oh, you know, this is a great story. <laughs> I went to this house. Actually, I acquired these. I really don't know how I acquired these buyers, but we were looking for, it might have been a sign call, honestly. What, a, what an interesting turn of events this is. Yeah. I think they were a sign call. We ended up looking at a house I had listed and then we looked at a few others and then it was clear that they wanted to work with me and that was great. We even wrote an offer on a house, didn't work out. Then they had me come to their current home and they're like, well, we bought it, go ahead and get it ready to sell. Fine. I go over, I give them the staging to-dos. There was a lot. 
and um and some weird stuff like mm-hmm. they had a really nice renovated kitchen yeah. with two refrigerator holes so one refrigerator in it and one hole was empty meanwhile they had this spare fridge in their dining room and i'm like hey i know it's <laughs> unconventional to have two fridges but can we just put that thing in the, in the kitchen hole. for the for the selling and they were like yeah and it must be that the second hole wasn't like obviously a refrigerator hole but mm-hmm. i'm like hey y'all we're just gonna make this is gonna be a super cool function of your kitchen two yes. fridges yes and i give them all the tips and they have to paint the whole interior of the house because it's pretty dark and he's texting me and he's like it looks like i'm living in a hospital i hate it <laughs> like, it doesn't look like my house at all and i was like i'm sorry it was really necessary and then this is the sad turn of events the next time i like contacted them or I ran across their house on the MLS. They listed it with someone else. Oh no! After I know. they did what you said, you know, you know why? Why? Discount broker. Um, and they sent, and I sent them a message of like, "Hey man, I'm really disappointed we couldn't work together. You know, obviously we'd gone through all this like work preparing, like you know." And he said, "Yeah, I mean, really nothing against you. We really liked you, but um, it was a business decision, and it was a lower commission. And I just wanted to be like." So you used all of my right expertise and knowledge. Right. I know, right. So, I mean, look, it doesn't always work out, but I guess that's the other thing. If you're going to be a listing agent, you better get some thick skin. Well, <laughs> it's funny that you say that because I just went on a listing interview like two months ago. I saw, so the house flooded in 2016 okay. and it has been listed with two agents. I'll be agent number three. Okay. I pull up, it's orange. I'm like, the house is orange? The house is orange. You're like, no. No, no, no. The inside was partially renovated, and then they tried to keep what they could. Oh, no. To not spend all the money after the flood. Fair, So but... if the contractor said you could get away with not doing this, they, would they do didn't it. do it. So I told them, y'all, you have to paint the exterior of your house, and you have to replace your tile. So they ripped up their wood and kept their tile. Okay. Floor. I said, these two things have to be done for me to list it. Right. I do not want there to be a fourth agent after me. The husband was not pleased. Well, fair. More so with the exterior paint. He just thought anybody can paint. They can pick out their own colors. Why would we spend money doing that when we are going to agree to rip up the floors that don't match anything anymore because they're so old and everything else is so new? Right. Um, but why would we paint? Why? And I said, I am telling you yeah, for me to be your agent. And I, if you don't like my advice, I totally understand. Right. And you can probably find someone that would happily come put their sign in the yard with the house as is. Yeah. Just like the, just like the two said, before the me. The previous two did not mention anything about this. The previous two also did not sell your home. I said, you have owned this home for four years since the flood and you have been trying to sell it. And I am was telling it, you, what, are they living in it? No, they was like a flip. So they live in the neighborhood. Okay, and this was a rental property for them. Oh, I see. And they just haven't been able to unload it. Oh my heavens! Yeah, and the reason they didn't keep renting it out is because they thought at any moment it's going to sell, and it just did not. It never did. So oh, the man. wife called me later and said, "I I really want to thank you for how you delivered the news and." that you didn't let him upset you. And I appreciate you just being honest and telling us what we need to do. We are going to do everything that you recommended. Perfect. I said, awesome, I can't wait to see it. 
So she said, um, so I've been checking in and following up. Right. And she's been sending me pictures and we've just yeah. been enjoying the process. So the painter is there and he is literally doing like the last patch of brick mm-hmm. that was painted. It was orange. It was like orange brick with orange painted stucco, but it was a lot of stucco. So mm-hmm. everything was orange. Okay. And, um, she said, well, we just wanted the stucco to match the brick. So they painted it orange. Anyways, the painter was there and they painted the brick white and the stucco white. And someone drove up and said, are you selling this house? How much? And bought it. (laughs) (laughs) And she, I cannot. And the painter called her and was like, uh, someone just pulled up in your driveway and asked me if they could buy the house. So I'm just going to give them your number. Is that okay? And these people actually bought the house. She called me and she was like, Alyssa, we are not the kind of people that would do this to you. We're going to pay you. I'm like, you are not going to pay me. I said, send me referrals. She said, but my husband was like floored. Well, floored that the I second told you. you did, we did what you told us to do. It sold. <sighs> and but they you wrote know me what? the nicest oh, thank you I letter. I bet they did. And it closed. Good. It actually closed. Good for I, them. And I told them, y'all, this is a four-year burden that has just been lifted off of you. Right. I am not, I don't have my feelings hurt at all. No. But you, you did what was best for you. But do you know what you get out of that? Referrals. Well, sure. Hopefully they'll send you a referral, but not that. This is something that any listing agent can learn. Stories are powerful. So powerful. So now the next time you go to the listing appointment and they're a little resistant to your tips, you just tell that same story the same way and you just say, and then on the last swipe of paint, yes, someone rolled up in the driveway and- And asked the and, painter. Yeah, can I buy the house? house? Yeah. But that's where- I never, some of them hurt more than others, like, yes. but some of them, all of them are helpful in your overall knowledge of the market Yes, and your overall ability to serve buyers or sellers. It all adds up to your sum total of experience and you learn like where you maybe gave too much and then you got taken advantage of. that happen as well. It's fine. <laughs> Look, it happens. I mean, honestly, it happens. But I think that the key here is that buyers have positive things to them. Sellers have positive things to them. There is just a definite, definite difference between the two. And it's nice. I, my message in this episode is really, you can do both. Yes. You can be both. You do not have to put yourself in a box and say you're only buyers. And I think about the new agents who bought the email templates Mm -hmm. and all those seller templates. Yeah. Can you imagine like the pre-listing template, like all of these things that they have access to I that needed those. <laughs> automatically make you have so much like value and so much credibility. Uh, credibility. So I just think that my point is with the right tools and with the right mindset and with the right systems, you can do both and you can easily go from buyers to sellers. And it does just take confidence. You know, yeah. every success that you have in the listing agent direction, it gets easier and easier and you get more confident. And then also just financially, as you as a realtor become more financially stable and you don't need the sale yeah. for income and you're able to say, call somebody else. Yes. 
Because until you have the confidence to say that, right, message will not always be received. The message will not be received that way. But when you are in a good place because you have worked hard and you have saved your money and you know the right thing to say Mm -hmm. and do, you will operate that way when you're not living out of scarcity. Yeah. For sure. When I was brand new and needed the money, you just do anything. Like, yeah. Like you want to list it for 525? Right. Fine. Yeah. Okay. And then you sure. get fired. Yeah. <laughs> and then you just feel worse and like you can't do it. Yes. And then you feel like I can't. This is why I'm a buyer's agent only. Right. I can't do it. I'm no. But you know what? That's what we're sharing so that others can avoid. This is the message I would have given to my little three years in self. Like, stop being afraid. You can do this. There's a way like mm-hmm. to figure this out. I think when I first started getting listings, I recognized very quickly, like, this is great. Yeah. But I also was like, I, it was great, but I knew I had to find a way to deal with it. Yeah. Like I had to find a way to implement boundaries to protect mm-hmm. myself from getting, yeah. You know, when a seller is angry or unhappy or Mm -hmm. stressed out. And, you know, I have sellers whose houses have been on the market for 14 days and they feel like it's been a year. Right. (laughs) And I have to say, guys, you know. It's not that long. But I can't feel that way. No. Because I would never sleep. I would get ulcers and think like, yeah, you know, you have to find a way. Mm -hmm. So much of being a listing agent is about having hard conversations, dealing with people that are stressed. Yep. Dealing with personal finances. A lot of heavy conversations and people wondering, like, what if the house doesn't sell? Right. I have clients right now. I have their house listed for sale and they're going to assisted living. And they're like, if the house doesn't sell before we go, like, we can't go. We can't go. And we, like, lose our spot. Oh, my gosh. You know, things like that. That's a lot of pressure. Things like that that just, you know, you have to find a way. Yeah. Because it's not my – I didn't put you in that situation. No, not at all. You know. But. Yeah, and you can't control the market. Right. You cannot. You have to work within the market. Yes. Okay, I love it. Are you ready for a toast? Yeah. Oh my gosh, hooray. All right, so today's toast comes to us from Wendy Creel. Mm-hmm. And Wendy says, she is a friend, Jackie Ferguson. She wants to toast. Great. She is a realtor and got in the business about two years before Wendy, and has been such a blessing to me as I learned the business. We didn't even work for the same broker the first two years. I was the realtor and she was always there to answer my questions um, and give me support and help me out in a pinch. Uh, They're now in the same brokerage and they have chosen community over competition. Uh, So when she hears us on the podcast, it makes her think of her relationship with Jackie. (laughs) She says, oh, thanks for the awesome advice. Okay, so that's so amazing. Wendy is going to toast to her her little business bestie, Jackie. That's wonderful. I love it. So cheers, Jackie. Cheers. And cheers to Wendy. Mm -hmm. Okay, bye, friends. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Hustle Humbly podcast. Let us know who we should toast to for the next episode. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hustle Humbly Podcast. If you have an episode, topic, or question, please email us at hustlehumblypodcast at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. See you next week. Bye. This is the good life.